This is Derek Whelan, keyboard player with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Al Petrari from the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and you're with my buddy John over at Iron City Rocks. See you guys soon. This is Jim McCarty of the Arbor speaking, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. episode 477 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 477, joined by two incredible drummers. We have joining us from the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, seems like almost an annual visitor, quite literally, Jeff Plate, uh, the amazing drummer who has played with various metal bands, Metal Church, for example. Uh, also has been with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra for, I think, their entire history. He's played on all of their recordings and all of their tours. So if you hear drums in a TSO song, it's Jeff. Uh, so it's great to have a chance to get to talk to him. They will be in town on December 29th. Two shows at the arena here in Pittsburgh. A 3 o'clock and an 8 o'clock show. Tickets still available, but uh, the seating is getting somewhat limited. Also joining us uh, in just a little bit, uh, so blessed to have the opportunity to talk to Jim McCarty of the Yardbirds. Not to be confused with Jim McCarty, the uh, guitarist of uh, Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels. Uh, it was really a, a cool thing to get a chance to talk to him. He has authored a new book, and we're going to talk all about that. Uh, still playing with the Yardbirds, still very active, uh, and doing some shows in 2022. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. So Jeff played, as I mentioned, the TSO is coming into uh, Pittsburgh to do their annual run of shows. Unfortunately, in 2020, we did not have the opportunity to see that, so it's wonderful to have them back in 2021. Uh, If you're a fan of the TSO, you may want to go back a couple episodes here on Iron City Rocks. We had Joel Hoekstra, who's the guitarist of the, uh, one of the two guitarists on the East Coast version of the TSO. For those not familiar, the TSO has actually two traveling bands annually. Uh, There's an East and a West Coast, and they do multiple cities per night. So an amazing, amazing touring schedule they keep. So without further ado, we're going to play a little TSO, get into that interview with Jeff Plate. So tell me Christmas, are we wise To believe in things we never see Our prayers just wishes in disguise wishes being
City Rocks uh, for our annual visit, Mr. Jeff Plate of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great, man. Thank you. It's a pleasure to get a chance to talk to you, and even better to get a chance to talk about the buses rolling into our city again. Uh, you're coming in on the 29th of December for the East Coast version of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Um, can you talk a little bit about getting back into the groove of, of the production rolling i know last year you did you know the live stream um which was was certainly something different obviously a grand scale for a live stream but but is it kind of like riding a bike being back out on the road now yeah more or less i mean for myself i've, I've been here from the very beginning you know I've, I've done every show possible since 1999 so this has become a way of life for a lot of us in tso these november december every year doing these shows, doing these tours. But last year, obviously, as we sat home, you know, I think everybody realized how much we missed this and how important this was not only to us as a band, but but to our fans. So mm-hmm. when the opportunity came up this year for this tour, everybody was just chopping at the bit. Getting back in the rehearsal room was, was exciting. It was great seeing everybody again. Um, still under some, you know, COVID protocols, and we're still dealing with this situation, but 
but just to be able to play this music again with the with the people that I work with for myself personally it's it's just such a thrill to to be working with this group of people again yeah it, has there been a lot of, of changes in the band um, from two years ago I, I know normally year to year you know there's there's maybe a, a different guitarist different singer um, you know with with the two year span obviously musicians are you know they need to make a paycheck and a mortgage like everybody else so maybe some people had to do some things different is is the bulk of the band back as it was yes uh, surprisingly almost entirely i mean i think we we have one new member this year one one female vocalist uh stepped out from two years ago so so we replaced her but but the band itself east and west and here Mm -hmm. again for people who don't know tso tours with with two different touring troops an east coast and a west coast each each of these groups has been relatively intact for about the past 10 or 12 years so so everybody is a is a seasoned pro at this. Everybody really knows their job, and you know it didn't take us long to get back into the flow of things. But uh, but we've been very fortunate in that in that matter to have so many people come back every year. Is there a lot different this particular with the protocols and and does the news kind of you know it's almost impossible in this day and age to avoid you know variants and vaccines and stuff like that. Does that kind of weigh on you guys like? Do you, do you kind of conscious of that and, and have to worry about, you know, maybe we're going to have to do something different in this city or maybe we might have to postpone a city? Does that kind of stress enter into this? Well, there's a lot of thought in, involved in it, obviously. I mean, when we came into this tour, we we knew this situation was, was like no other. Mm-hmm. So we've all agreed to be as safe and responsible and respectful to each other as possible. We are trying to, you know, avoid all problems. Yeah. And obviously COVID is something that, you know, it's everywhere. It's but for us as a touring group, we really had to commit to this. And basically, you know, we're wearing masks. We are in a bubble. We right. when we're on stage performing, obviously we're not we're not masked up but but Anywhere outside, off off the stage, you know, right. we we are doing everything to, we can to not only protect ourselves but protect everybody around us because it's only going to take one one case to really mess things up, so to speak. So yeah. we knew this going into this, this was going to be tough, and we were going to have to be strict with ourselves and each other. And and so far, so good. So yeah, I mean, I I guess a band that makes its living essentially touring in November and December, you guys had to be pretty good at this five years ago i mean to not get sick because i imagine a you know a nice flu bug could really derail you know when you've got so many people whose voices (laughs) you rely on and stuff so um you know i'm sure this is is a bit old and you don't really have time to do you you, when you're on the road i mean i I know i caught you on a very odd day off which is is hard to believe there's a hole in your schedule but do you get to i mean in, in prior tours especially get to leave the arena and go look around cities or is it just you know, like a machine. No, usually we we our schedule runs like Monday, Tuesday are off. Wednesday, Thursday is a single show day, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday is is double show days. Okay. Um, so we're doing eight shows in five days, basically every week. Yeah, depending on what city and you know if there's something new to go see, everybody gets out and gets to see everything. But this year, that is obviously a lot different. Sure. You know, we've. Like I said, we've all committed to being 
as conscious and careful about this as mm-hmm. possible. So everybody's really kind of laying low. Um, and also in years past, too, you know, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, one of, one of the things that's that's really helped develop our fan base over the years is our interaction with with our fans. Mm-hmm. Um, we've always done meet and greets. We've always done the autograph line. And, you know, your comment earlier about the about the flu and touring yeah. this, uh, during this time of year. Yeah, we've always been very, very careful about, you know, staying healthy, keeping your hands washed, you know, yeah. you know eating right, taking your vitamins, et cetera. Um, but this year, it's obviously it's obviously a little different. The the fan interaction has has changed drastically. But just on top of all that, we we've kind of amped up all the precautions necessary. Sure. Can you walk through you know, what you know when the, does this show you know the Christmas Eve and other stories tour for 2021? When does that ball kind of start getting rolling from a planning stage? I mean, is it like January of this past year, or or how how full time is the TSO through the calendar? Well, in in terms of tour to tour, like the 2022 tour is probably being booked right now. Okay. Um, you know, so that is that is kind of being laid out. The routing, the groundwork for the for mm-hmm. next year's tour is already being looked at. Uh, in general. January, February are two months off. Okay. You know these these tours are a lot of work for everybody involved, and then and then the real process of developing the next show, uh, building the next show, that all starts, you know, et cetera. The 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 office and the management have their hands full, pretty much throughout the year. For myself, um, like I said, the first two months of the year is generally laying on the couch and watching football. Yeah. And shoveling snow, but. Uh, but throughout the year, it's 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 whatever needs to be done in the studio, in in as far as press and stuff like that. But but all of our cast members are involved in other projects. Sure. You know, a number of us have families and you know jobs outside of TSO. So the year is always fairly busy. But up till now, it's uh, it's been it's been you know quite a whirlwind. I mean, sure. uh, we've we've lost Paul O'Neill four years ago. Paul is the guy who managed and created the Trans Siberian Orchestra. So. So there's still some of that dust that is settling and and getting getting the uh, creative process back on track. But but putting these tours together for for the management team and the production team that we have really is a year-round job. So these guys do a fantastic job at this, and you know every year these tours are amazing. Do, you, you mentioned Paul, obviously, you know, kind of the the central nervous system of the TSO, and you guys have done a fantastic job since his passing of keeping his legacy alive but are there things you know you think about when, when an artist passes a lot of times you know they go into the you know the vault the archives is there ever talk of new music or you know maybe scores that paul had composed prior to his passing that might see the light of the day or is that still a little too fresh no i mean paul was developing a lot of things when he passed on, sure. uh, but Paul was the guy, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, Paul was the, the main songwriter, the lyricist, the producer, the man who said yes or no to everything. Yeah. That is a huge void right there. Mm-hmm. So this is all, you know, still getting kind of sorted out. There's obviously some more work to be done. Um, and then you throw in this COVID 
pandemic and that really screwed some things up too so that that set things back a little bit but but the the tours themselves um are as strong as ever you know everything is intact there paul was paul was very very smart in the fact that he surrounded himself with some brilliant people paul's family is right on top of things too Mm -hmm. so so the tours are in very good hands but as far as the creative process and and finishing up some of the work that paul had that is still being sorted out yeah but uh, but I I believe that sometime in the near future we're, we're definitely going to get some new music. Yeah, I think of, think of Paul in a very similar light to Jim Steinman, you know, an artist who, you know, when somebody decides to open some cupboard somewhere in the house, you're going to find just a, you know a plethora of ideas, you know, probably scribbling yep. on napkins at dinner and things. Um, you know, just the kind of person he was, a fantastic gentleman. Well, Jeff, I want to thank you. I don't want to keep you. You will be in town on the 29th of December. Um, you know. Seemed like last Christmas something was missing, and I think it was you guys. So, um, be awesome to see you guys when you roll into town. I wish you safe travels and great health, man. Thank you so much. You stay safe and uh, happy holidays. All right, take, take care. care, Jeff. Millions of fans have witnessed the concert experience that launched a one-of-a-kind rock holiday tradition. Trans Siberian Orchestra live in concert. The show that started it all. The all-new Christmas Eve and other stories like you've never seen it before. Two shows, December 29th, PPG Paints Arena. The power of rock combined with the majesty of classical. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Two shows, December 29th, PPG Paints Arena. Don't miss Trans-Siberian Orchestra's all-new Christmas Eve and Other Stories Live. Welcome by 96.9 Bob FM, WQED Public Television, Columbia Gas of Pennsylvania, and Live Nation. A big thank you to Jeff Plate again. The Trans-Siberian Orchestra will be in Pittsburgh. Two shows, December 29th, 3 o'clock, 8 o'clock at the arena. You can get tickets at Ticketmaster or through LiveNation.com, and uh, promises to be an amazing show. Christmas Eve and other stories uh, is the theme of this year's performance, so typically you get the show in the first half, uh, you know, going through the story of the album. If you're not familiar, go to Wikipedia. You can read it in a few minutes. Um, intermission and then sort of a, um, the best of TSL. So it's really a, a, an amazing performance. Had a chance to see it a few times over the years and always enjoy it. Um, it'd be great to you know to get out and see live music in an arena. Uh, so any chance you get, you take. Uh, we're going to turn now to another drummer. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Jim uh, McCarty of the band The Yardbirds, the only original member of the band. Oh, the man has been through all the lineup changes. Uh, we were kind of joking, uh, you know, about the performances they've done through Pittsburgh and uh, through the years um, they have had. Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, Jimmy Page on guitar, uh, Johnny A, no slouch there either. So um, really just an amazing history of musicians have come through the Yardbirds. Uh, and Jim, an, an amazing musician himself. The Yardbirds are doing shows in 2022. Uh, they're doing the Flower Power Cruise, uh, doing some shows in uh, Pennsylvania, as we talk about in the interview. Um, but what we really wanted to focus on was his second foray in, into to writing he uh, and a good friend Dave Thompson have uh, authored two books together. Uh, the first was was more or less, um, it was called Nobody Told Me My Life with the Yardbirds. 
Renaissance, which is another band he had performed with and other stories. So it was kind of the, you know, the quintessential rock rock biography, autobiography, I should say, to be technically correct. The second book, uh, the new one, which has come out this August, uh, so it's available now if it's something that interests you, or you might know somebody who might benefit from that. And that's one of the reasons I was so glad to have a chance to talk to him about it. It's a story really about a kind of uh, he recently lost his wife, as we talk about in the interview, and in some of this is kind of his quest to the meaning of all that. Um, so I, I don't want to put words in his mouth. I think it's better to hear Jim kind of explain it to you, um, but really sounds like something that might be a benefit. You know, if you're looking for a holiday gift, uh, maybe from somebody in your life, I think everyone's life has been touched in the last two years, uh, sadly. Uh, with what's gone on in the world that we know some people who might benefit from something like that. So the book is available now. It's on Amazon. Yeah, it's available in, you know, free delivery. Uh, if you're a Prime member, it's quick delivery. It's called She Walks in Beauty, My Quest for the Bigger Picture. So without further ado, we're going to talk to Jim McCarty. Pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class 1992. We have Jim McCarty of the Yardbirds. How are you doing, Jim? I'm good today. It's a very lovely day here uh, where I am. 
beautiful. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. It's, a, it's an honor to get to speak with you. Um, in August, uh, you released um, your second book, um, yes. she, Wa- she Walks in Beauty, My Quest for the Bigger Picture. Um, this one, a little bit different than the first in that it's not you know, necessarily the, the typical rock star musician book. Um, no. you know, I grew up, I, I did drugs, I got off drugs, my career's going great. This is a, a much different kind of book. Can you talk a little bit about you know, what the mindset was behind the book? Yes, well, I was really propelled to write it because um, I, lo- I lost my wife last year in, in the summer. <clears throat> she had cancer and <clears throat> we were very close. And um, I-, I decided, well, she must have, she must have gone somewhere. Where, where has she gone? <laughs> I mean, she mm-hmm. she, she was very close to me. And um, people I knew that she knew had, had dreamt about her and they all said, oh, she looked fine. You know, she looks really good. Uh, and in my dream, uh, she, she looked good. And someone else I know actually saw her walking with me um, in a little place near where I live here, where we used to walk. And they said, oh, I, I saw um, Elizabeth walking with you and you, you were in tears, but she was very happy. And um, she said, when I got, when I got into work, because she worked in a cafe, but when I get into work, they, they told me she died. So I thought, well, she, she must be around in some form. So I, you know, I really got down to watching uh, YouTube um, near-death experiences and following people like uh, Eben Alexander, who's a, yeah, a, brain, a brain surgeon who had a very good near-death experience, and he recounts it very well. <clears throat> and then I studied, um, I, I got into med- mediumship, and um, I uh, found this medium, Suzanne Giesman, uh, an American woman who um, w- was an officer in the US Navy at one time. And she lost her stepdaughter in Iraq when she was uh, struck by lightning. So um, she decided at that point to be a medium and she went to England to study. Mm-hmm. And uh, she started doing courses, mediumship courses on Zoom. So I was in lockdown and I decided to follow them. Um, and she told you, you know, various ways you could contact your loved ones. Um, so I, I, I did all what I did, everything she said. And um, I found I was making contact. It was quite it was very interesting. Um, she always stressed that. Um, uh, you, you need evidence. You need to hear evidence from from whoever you're talking to um, to make it to make it more definite. And uh, so I got I got quite a bit of evidence, quite a bit of things that you know were on the physical level that were sure. uh, true. And um, she actually, my wife actually suggested through a medium that I should write a blog about it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll write a book. So I contacted um, Dave Thompson, who wrote uh, the other book with me. Nobody told me. Um, and I thought, well, you know, Dave, Dave's not going to be interested in this. 
And but but he he really was, and he, he said, "Well, I love all this sort of thing, and um, you know, let's go for it." <laughs> so I went back, uh, you know, in the book, I went back to when I was on the road and um, <clears throat> when I was a child, and sort of various interests in the paranormal that I've that I've had all that time. Uh, I'm sort of ending up with the story with my wife, so. Um, I was very pleased and I thought, well, if, if people are in the same predicament as me, it might just help them a bit. So you might, might give them a little bit of uh, a little bit of light, you know? Yeah. I, I think, you know, it, it's, it's fascinating. You know, you, you look at the, the body of work you've had in your career, obviously touched more people than, than probably you can even fathom um, is as evident by, you know, your place, rightful place in Cleveland. Um, in the Hall of Fame, you know, is is your your body of mus- musical work, but to touch people in a very different way, in in a book on even you know, largely you know, a different way, is got to be a really kind of interesting thing. Do you get a lot of feedback from readers who who maybe reach out to you? Social media, you know, makes everybody a little more accessible to to kind of share their story with you. Uh, yes, yes, quite a bit actually. It, it's growing and growing. Um, it, it, it was a little bit slow at first. I thought, you know, people probably wonder what it was all about. Yeah, uh, but people, um, <clears throat> people that put feedback on it to me, they just say, "Oh, well, we we loved, we loved reading it. It was so interesting." Um, and um, you know, actually, I've had it. <laughs> you know, I had an experience as well. You know, and they tell me about mm-hmm. things to them, and it sort of opens other people up. And um, it, it's great. Some of the stories are good. Does it? To some of that, you know, the, the process of going through the book. Does that help in your healing? I mean, obviously, this had to be a very trying time to lose a loved one, any loved one, during the pandemic, where you're, you're relatively isolated. Um, you know, yeah. you, you can't grieve yeah. with people the way, you know, a natural, yeah. healthy way. Did this yeah. kind of the process kind of help you in keeping, you know, uh, writing a book is quite, certainly a discipline. Does, does that kind of having something to do help you? Oh, yeah. Yes, def- definitely. And it was an incredible, uh, incredible therapy for me. And, uh, you know, now I know that she is around it just makes a huge difference i mean you've got you've got the grieving as well you know mm-hmm. because she's not physically there sure and, <laughs> and it and it's still it's still um something to work on you know something to get your head around because it's still it's still a, a bit odd it's sort of you know something we're not really used to very much mm-hmm. and we don't really think about it too much. Yeah, absolutely. Do, do you find um, in writing, you, you know, you're becoming, verging on becoming a prolific writer at this point. Is it something that you see yourself doing, you know, down the road, you know, maybe a third book or is it, uh, was this just specifically because of, you know, your connection with mediums and, and the experiences you've gone through? Yeah, I, ju- I just thought it just came out of the blue, this one. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I sometimes think about another book, may- maybe something totally different, but um, I have to hand it to Dave, you know, uh, Dave Thompson. He's, he's a great writer and mm. he really does 
uh, make make the stories come to life, you know. Um, but I'm I'm fortunate. I seem to have a good memory, yes. <laughs> so I can I can remember you know things right back when I was about ten and things. So I, I, I was quite lucky. So the, the two of us together are a pretty good team. Yeah, and, and any more than a band, I think sometimes you know when you get a creative team of any sort sometimes when you find that combination that works it's it's a wonderful thing oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Are, are you guys uh, as the yardbirds I, I know you have had um i believe it was simon townsend playing guitar for you are, are you guys trying to to go out on the road at all or is that something that at this point is a little bit too difficult with regulations in different countries and you know restrictions etc well, well, we were. Uh, we had we had dates booked uh, last month, actually, in, in the states <clears throat> in October, <clears throat> and uh, we almost did it, but it was just you know it was just a little bit tricky. Yeah, uh, just a bit difficult, and um, they they they're postponed to April now, uh, so we, we'll be playing up. You know, may, maybe near you. I mean, we're playing on the East Coast, um, uh, you know, probably New York and Pennsylvania and, uh, uh, you know, even probably where you are. Mm-hmm. And um, we're doing um, <clears throat> a thing called the Flower Power Cruise, which we've done a couple of times before. That's a cruise that goes out of um, Port Lauderdale into the Caribbean. And um, we're, you know, we're on with other bands like the Zombies, Jefferson Starship and uh, bands like that. Sure. <clears throat> and always good fun. And we before and it's all, you know, we always go down a storm. Are, are those kind of, I, I've never been on person on one of the, the, you know, kind of floating concert tour um, type of thing. Is, is that fun for a performer? Do you get to kind of interact with, you know, some musical friends you know that maybe you don't see year to year oh or, yeah or... yeah to do it it's very relaxing um and it, it's not actually hard work i mean we're on for about three days four days mm-hmm. and we play once and and i think we do a, a q a another day just for a couple of hours and then you know it's all relaxing um chatting to people and chatting to the other bands yeah it's 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 a nice experience actually i often wonder i had seen kiss had recently done a cruise like that and i wondered if it was just you're kind of stuck in your stateroom and and you you know you get mobbed if you you get out amongst people but i guess you know you've got so many bands on some of these seeing somebody famous milling about isn't necessarily unusual on that (laughs) Yes, but the, the people are very uh, honourable. It seems they uh, that they will chat to you, but they won't. Um, you know, they won't pester you. Well, that wasn't wasn't like the <laughs> nineteen sixty seven tour where you know yeah. <laughs> when they were all the girls were screaming. No, it's not. It's not like that anymore. No, well, you probably at, the, at this point you don't need screaming girls. I was actually looking back at, at you know in Pittsburgh. You guys came here as early as sixty five and, and did a couple shows and. Um, was trying to look back at, you know, the different lineups that had come through the city. Um, but it, yeah. it, 
it's a, you guys have got such a wonderful tradition of music. Um, do, do you get tired of people asking? And, and I promise I will not ask. My, my question is only, does it get annoying when people ask you about Eric and Jimmy and Jeff, you know, is kind of the, you know, the first thing you think of when you think of the Yardbirds. Yes. It's a primary question, isn't it? Uh, I, yeah. I, I do. <laughs> no, I, I, I do uh, tell people, uh, I, I don't really get tired of it, but, um, you know, I tell people how different they all were, and, and mm. each of them had a specific character. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I don't. I don't get tired of that, but that that seems to be the main, the main, uh, yeah, the main uh, first question. <laughs> yeah, I I remember as a kid. You know, I was of the era where you know I was kind of discovering Led Zeppelin, and you know, you you immediately kind of go backward. In in I think especially in blues music, people love to see where people came from and their influences and, you know, it all kind of came back to, to the Yardbirds. And then you start looking around and you're like, Oh my, this is quite a, quite a bit of uh, uh, yeah. talent in there. And it's amazing, you know, after all these years, you know, you've been on every album and, and I don't believe any other musician can say that, that, that you've, you know, been the rock of the Yardbirds at this point. Well, yeah, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, I managed to stick it all out. <laughs> You know, there's been a few ups and downs, and it hasn't been easy. But um, sure, I mean, we did break up for a long time, so sure. you know, we had a long, long holiday. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I think it, absence makes the heart grow fonder. You know, and I think you know, people, you know, really, your music is timeless. You know, that blues-based English rock um, still resonates and sounds so good as a musician what what were your influences you know i think everybody can kind of cite the yardbirds as an influence but what what drove you to the drums uh well i like i like the early american rock and roll all the old um buddy holly and crickets and the everly sure. brothers you know gene benson and johnny cash and all that stuff um and i always like drumming <clears throat> i like jazz jazz drumming too and i lo love the sound of the drums you know and uh it, it always seemed to have a great effect on me and i found i was quite good at it and i you know i was sort of quite passionate about it you know um and all sorts of drumming you know african drumming and japanese drumming and everything um it was always so exciting to me to to hear drums no, was it exciting for your your parents? You know, growing up, that's always an investment. I think you know, mom and dad. You know, they want to put some money down on a kit. Was it something that they were excited to have in their home? <laughs> well, it was a very small kit. The first kit I bought, you know, and I, the, the first kit I bought, I saw, I, I found it in a local newspaper, and um, it was eleven pounds. Uh, it, it, it must be in about 1960 or something like that. So mm. I don't know what pounds is worth now, <clears throat> but it was just a, a, a sort of quite a big snare drum, and a, um, and a bass drum and a sort of hi hat, and that's all it was. But, <laughs> but uh, I, I did have quite a nice kit when I lived just alone with my mother after my father passed on. Um, yeah, I, I used to get the kit set up in the house and every now and then. She actually worked um, shifts, so she, when she was working, I could 
she was out of the house, I could have a good bash. So, so that's what worked. <laughs> she's probably working to, to buy you mutes so she could get some sleep. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it yeah. is a, the, the drums are certainly an, an instrument for the whole family. You know, if you, when you have a set in your house, as I've had, um, you realize when, when practice it happens, everything stops. Um, yeah. Do you guys, I, I, you've gone obviously through, you know, some lineup changes and you mentioned the tortoise, but do you guys toy with the idea of new music or does it financially even make sense to make music at this point in your career? Uh, new music? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's always there, but it's always it's always very tricky. Uh, <clears throat> it's very difficult to live up to that repertoire. Yeah, we 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 tried before. We did uh, an album called Birdland, which was about twenty years ago, and we did some new songs. Uh, and and they sort of you know, yeah, some people liked them, and some people just wanted to hear the old hits yeah. again. You know. I think that is that is the the trick of of having a successful legacy such as yours, where you you you're um you know it is difficult to bring in new music. I mean, yeah. you guys and you guys had a, a heck of a, a list of guests. You know, we talk about you know the, the Yardbird guitarist, but if you just look at the guitarists you used on that album, you know, yes. you Brian May and Slash and Steve Vai yeah. and yeah. Uh, yeah, and it was quite. It was quite a pleasing album. It was it was hard work to do, but it was quite. Uh, it was quite a pleasing idea to to put new songs in and and use those guitar players on the on the old songs and do slightly different arrangements. So, yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed doing that album. Yeah, very much. Well, that's fantastic. Well, Jim, I want to thank you so much. Uh, the book "She Walks in Beauty." Um, is available. I know it's available here in the States on Amazon. Um, do you sell it through your website? Like if someone wanted to get a signed copy or something like that, is there? Uh, uh, yeah, they could probably contact, contact me. Um, you can get it also through Lulu, <clears throat> lulu.publisher. Um, yeah, I mean, if somebody wants to make a contact, they can contact me on, on the website or Facebook or something and I can send them one. Fantastic. All right, Jim. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. I wish you all the best. We will see you. you I, you've got some dates coming up in, in 2022 uh, and you'll be in Pennsylvania, which is fantastic. So we look forward to seeing you and hopefully, you know, 2022 makes a much easier touring situation yeah. for you. Thank you very much, John. I want to thank Jim McCarty for coming on the show so much. Amazing to, to be sitting here in, in 2021 talking to a, to a member of the Yardbirds. Um, you know, that's kind of a pinch yourself moment, a band that has in so many ways defined what rock and roll music became over the years. Uh, one of the very first handful of bands that rightfully went into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, every year when they announce the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees and inductees, everyone, frankly, bitches about who didn't get included, who did included. Probably not a soul alive would argue the Yardbirds. Uh, just an amazing uh, contribution to the world of music. Uh, the book, as we talked about, She Walks in Beauty, My Quest for the Bigger Picture. It was written by uh, Jim McCarty and co-authored by Dave Thompson. 
was available now on many booksellers, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. So we'll include a link to that on our website. You can visit us at ironcityrocks.com. You'll see a link for the episode. It'll have links to everything we talked about in this show. Tickets to the TSO, the book, uh, the gym did, whatever you need. Uh, check the website out. You can get to all the podcasts. We do a lot of pictorials of um, concerts as they come to town. We have some great photographs, some great uh, people contribute to us, some album reviews and, and such. So we invite you to check out ironcityrocks.com. Also, we're on social media. We are forward slash ironcityrocks on all the major social media. I invite you to follow us. Uh, try to keep everybody in Pittsburgh especially in western Pennsylvania as a whole abreast of all the concerts coming in uh, and all the changes you know as I'm sitting here uh, talking to you right now Evanescence and Hailstorm were supposed to be playing a show in Pittsburgh the day I'm recording this so you know if, if you were interested in this kind of music rock metal blues uh, you know, you might do yourself a favor by following us so we can get the word out about changes in venues, shows that are postponed, moved, canceled, added. You know, we had the pleasure of, of telling the world that Overkill uh, was coming back to Pittsburgh today. You know, a lot of people very excited about that. Also, another amazing musician, um, Chris Stone, uh, Kingfish Ingram, will be doing a show in Pittsburgh. So, if you're interested in live music, um, that's kind of our goal, is, is to get people excited about these events, coming out to these events as safely as we can, and keeping the events coming. You know, the, Nothing, I think, uh, makes a music fan more disappointed than when they look at a band's tour itinerary and they miss their city. And for you know, the last 12 years, that's been one of our goals, is to make sure that we get the word out about shows so that you, the listener, get interested in coming, maybe checking out a band you haven't listened to in a long time or discovering a band you don't know about, come out to the show, you know, help help the artist out by coming out to the show, help their crew, help their promoter, make them want to come back to Pittsburgh or you know, whatever city you live in. I mean, this doesn't just apply to Pittsburgh. There's a lot of, you know, cities smaller than New York and Los Angeles and Nashville that, that bands, when they tour, they have to look at it as a financial decision. Does it make sense to play in your town? So uh, what we aim to do is help make that a reality for, for our, our town. So we want to thank you so much for your time and listening. You can drop us an email, ironcityrocks at gmail.com. There's somebody you're interested in hearing from on the show, somebody you're tired of hearing about. Um, you know, whatever you want to let us know about, we'd love to hear from you. So until next time, thank you so much. Mm-hmm.